Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, now as we come to this time of opening up Your Word and worshiping You by heeding Your Word to us today, and Lord, as we are looking at those godly examples, those models of faith, whom we ought to look up to. Lord, may that be our heart's desire that we would grow to be such Christians. That people would be able to look at us and model us as dedicated followers of Jesus Christ. And not, Lord, for our glory and our fame, but for your name's sake. This I pray in Christ's name. Amen. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, you can open up with me to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. We'll be looking at verses 19 through 24 this morning. Philippians chapter 2, verse, verses 19 through 24. Working in this letter to the church in, in Philippi, uh, Paul is teaching us how we can discover joy. So we are discovering joy as we are working through this epistle. And we are working on role models, those whom we could look up to as role models of the faith, who we can uh, model our lives after. Last week we looked at Paul and his modeling, and this week we are looking at Timothy, a model of godly character in Philippians chapter 2 verses 19 through 24. So, if you will, stand with me in reverence to the reading of God's holy word. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare for they all seek their own interest, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father he has served with me in the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. Amen. May the Lord add blessings to the reading of his holy, inspired, and inerrant word. And may he write its eternal truth on all our hearts. And you may be seated. John MacArthur said, The single greatest tool of spiritual leadership is the power of an exemplary life. Let me say that again. The single greatest tool of, a, of spiritual leadership is the power of an exemplary life. Notice there, he didn't say that the greatest tool of spiritual leadership is uh, rhetorical prowess, nor is it academic acumen. But the greatest tool of spiritual leadership is an exemplary life. A life worth looking up to. A life worth emulating. See, the thing that we need as 
it, well, in anything, actually, but uh, even so in the Christian walk, we, we need more than just merely precepts. We need examples. We need models. You see, I'm a, I'm a bit of a reader, and so I like to read lots of books. And so you read a lot of books, and a lot of book times the books will give you lots of good theories. Right? The, the author is putting forth their theory, but what they don't always show you is how that works out, their theory works out in practice. Well, as we come to God's Word, even, we can see all the precepts, all the laws that God lays out before us, and, and this is how you are to live the Christian life, this is how you are to act and, and move and live in this world, but... It's easy for us to kind of take those precepts, those laws that God lays down before us and begin to kind of think, yeah, but, you know, that's a little difficult in the Christian walk. Even as a Christian, those those things are difficult because we're sinful. And and so it is difficult sometimes to, to, to follow God's Word. And so what we need, we need examples. We need models of people who are carrying out those laws, those precepts, that Christian life in their daily lives to look up to and say, oh, yes, it is obtainable. Yes, we can do that. Oh, we might stumble here and there. We might have difficulty. It's, it's not an easy road, but look at the model we have. And so that's a lot of what Paul is doing here. He's laying out models for us. Now, we know that Christ, of course, is the perfect example. He's our perfect example. He came and he he lived in absolute obedience to God. But as Jesus, he did become like one of us. He didn't become exactly like one of us, did he? He didn't. Because he came, and being God himself, God in the flesh, though he was tempted in every way in which we are tempted, yet he did not sin because he was unable to sin. We, on the other hand, were unable not to sin. Or, let me state that a little bit better, because that was a double negative. I canceled the one out, right? We are not, or we are, how do I say that? (laughs) We can't help but sinning. There we go. How about that? We can't help but sinning. That's just part of our nature. And so even as we look at Jesus as our perfect model, we still need models like us who struggle day in and day out with sin to look up to and say, they did it. And if they can do it, even as they struggle, even as they struggle with sin, if they can do it, then surely I can struggle with it and I can be a godly person as well. So we need examples. We need models of the faith in which we can look up to. And so last week when we looked at Paul, and Paul is an apostle, and he exemplified for us joyful sacrifice. But then again, with Paul, we could look at Paul and say, but he was an apostle. All right, he's a step up there. He, he's way up there. I mean, he, Jesus, Paul. I mean, we could kind of use that kind of logic and say, that's still tough to live up to. But then he gives us Timothy. Timothy, the preacher, if you will. 
And Timothy is going to exemplify for us the uh, godly character. And then next week, if you're, you're kind of still wondering, well, but that's the preacher, next week we're going to look at Epaphroditus, the lay leader. And, and so he kind of brings it on down step by step by step so that, hey, we got to look and say, all right, if these guys can do it, so can I. And so that's what we want to see today. So we're going to look at today the preacher, Timothy, as he exemplifies for us godly character. And here's what we see. A godly character is worthy of our emulation and our exertions. A godly character is worthy of our emulation and our exertions. We should seek those who model such and, and emulate them, strive to emulate them. And this should be uh, the focus of our lives. We should exert ourselves to be this person and have these characteristics. So let's see what those characteristics are. We have five godly characteristics here in Timothy worthy of emulation and exertion. Now there are far more characteristics of a godly person, but we're going to draw out five from Timothy this morning. And the first one we notice here is uh, he was biblically grounded. He was biblically grounded. Now, let's look at our text there. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For, here's the reason, for I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned. Now, look at that word like. That word like there really means it, it, pertaining to being of the same mind or attitude. That's really the definition of the Greek word behind that word, that English word of same. Uh, pertaining to being of the same mind or attitude. So, a New American Standard Version puts it like this, for I have no one else of kindred spirit who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. Uh, New King James Version says, for I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state. And, and so Paul is saying, Timothy has a like mind. He is like me. He, he, he models me in many ways. He, he has the same mind that I have. Therefore, he'll, he will be genuinely concerned for your needs. Now let's think about that. Let's think a little bit about Paul's mind. Who was Paul and, and, and what formed his mind? Well, first of all, Paul was he, he grew up to be a Pharisee, a Pharisee. Now, Jesus battled with the Pharisees. We know that. They were legalists, and, and so they were caught up in religion. They, they, they worked for their salvation, and, and he came out of that. But think about how a Pharisee was trained. A Pharisee began very early being trained in the Word of God. In fact, most of them would have had to memorize the first five books of the Bible. Anybody memorize the book of the Bible? Anybody? I haven't. I'm not holding my hand up for that reason. No, I haven't either. So they memorized at least the first five books of the Bible, and they were very well educated in the rest of the Bible, uh, all the Old Testament. That's what they had at that point. And then remember that Paul... <laughs> He went on to be used by the Lord to write 13 of the 27 New Testament books. 
So we could say that Paul's mind was heavily saturated with Scripture, couldn't we? And, and that's it. even as you begin to read his, the books that he wrote, they're heavy in Scripture. He's always either quoting Scripture or alluding back to other passages in the Old Testament. Paul himself was well saturated with Scripture. His mind was filled with the Word of God. And so I think a lot of what Paul is saying here, no one is, is like-minded. I have no one like him who is like-minded, has the same mind as I have. Really, a big portion of what he's saying is he is saturated with Scripture. He is saturated with Scripture, scripturally saturated. He has it in his mind. He's been working with Paul for over five years at this point, and Paul's been teaching him. He's been growing up, and we're going to look at some more passages here in a minute. He, He himself, Timothy himself, has been trained up from childhood in the scriptures and that's why he does the things that he does because his mind is full of bible full of the word of god so timothy is biblically grounded in that he is scripturally saturated but not only is he scripturally saturated because we can't really stop there you see, there's a lot of atheists who are scripturally saturated. They, they memorize large portions of Scripture, and they know it better than some of us know it. And, and so just being scripturally saturated is not near enough. We can know lots of Scripture, and it make no difference in our lives. But Timothy wasn't just scripturally saturated. He was scripturally motivated. He was scripturally motivated. That's why Paul is is sure that he will have great concern for this church in Philippi and their needs because not only is he saturated with Scripture, but he is absolutely motivated by the Word of God. He is living it out. The Word of God is the anchor in his life. It's the power behind him, moving him, and, and motivating him to to live the way he lives and so the first characteristic here is that timothy was biblically grounded he was scripturally saturated scripturally motivated how how does that work in your life we really need to ask that question how is this affecting your life how are you are you biblically grounded Is God's Word a a major component of your life? Are you in it day in and day out, trying to get it into your mind so that, not just so you can have this knowledge, but so that it can motivate you and move you to action in your daily walk? Does it motivate you? Are you biblically grounded? If not... This is something you need to work toward. We must be biblically grounded, digging into, deep into God's Word. That's why when I stand up here before you week after week, I preach this Word. I I don't go off on other. I preach this. That's why we're going through verse by verse in Philippians because I want you to be biblically grounded. I want you to get it into your mind and to see it and understand it and know how to put it into practice into your life. We must be biblically grounded. Second, second characteristic, 
is genuine concern for others. Timothy was genuinely concerned for others. Look at the second part of that, that verse. For I have no one like him who will, genuinely, uh, who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. Now, why does Paul want to send Timothy? That's, that's a question that you kind of began to work through as you're working through that, that verse there. Why does he want to send Timothy? Why does he need to send him there? Well, because the Philippians, as you've been following through in, in the book here, because the Philippians, they're, they're under uh, attack, right? You remember that? They're under attack. They're under physical attack. They're under physical persecution from those, the pagans who live in the town with them. Just like Paul was attacked in the, the, the town of Philippi when he was there on his second missionary journey. He was attacked and he was thrown into jail and he, was, he and Silas were, were beaten in Philippi. And that wasn't just a, a one-time occurrence where, all right, that happened, now let's move on. No, you have to imagine, and as Paul is allu has alluded to in this book, the Philippians, they continue under that same persecution. So they are under physical attack, physical persecution because of their faith in Jesus Christ. Second, they're under doctrinal attack. There's people coming in causing questions uh, or raising questions about the doctrine of the church. And we'll look at more at that in a couple of weeks as we look at the Judaizers in chapter 3 who will come in. And they'll try to add to the gospel. So they want to make the gospel, uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ plus works. And so they're under doctrinal attack. People coming in questioning the doctrine of the church and, and trying to weave in false doctrine. So they're under physical attack. They're under doctrinal attack. And they're under spiritual attack as well. We've seen that uh, disunity is beginning to, to, to work its way into the church. They're starting to fuss and fight a little bit. And so Paul, he's concerned about the physical, doctrinal, and spiritual attacks, and he wants to send Timothy to come in, in, in Paul's stead and to go and to strengthen and encourage this church in Philippi. And so he sends him because he knows that Timothy will be sincere in his concern. He will have sincere concern for the church at Philippi. His concern for them is not just merely like a, a sales rep, if you will, or a customer, uh, customer care rep that you get on the phone, right? They call, you call customer care, customer service on the, at the department store. Oh, yes, Mr. and Mrs. So-and-so, how can I help you? Oh, we're so sorry. Is that sincere concern? Probably not. They're, they're getting a paycheck, right? And, and so they have another concern that they're worried about they're they're worried about their self-concern how they're going to get paid and so their paycheck kind of drives their concern most typically you know if they weren't getting paid they wouldn't be concerned if your refrigerator's broken or not so it, it's a different kind of concern it's a sincere concern a sincere concern genuine concern he they want to take care of them he loves them and wants to encourage them wants to to build them up and strengthen them in the faith but it's also a selfless concern a selfless concern for others look at that again 
He says, I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. That word concern there, the Greek word behind that means an anxious kind of concern. To have an anxious concern based upon apprehension about possible danger or misfortune. It's really the same word that is used in chapter 4, verse 6, when Paul says, do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, uh, with thanksgiving, let your requests be, be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So in a, in a few weeks, we'll, we'll see Paul telling the church, don't be anxious. But now he says that Timothy is anxious, genuinely anxious, for this church and and what's the difference here why is Paul not getting on to Timothy for his anxiety well a, a whole lot of it is because it's not a a self-centered anxiety is it and that's really the the concern here in a few weeks when we look at chapter 4 their anxiety is for their personal well-being they're anxious for themselves and anxious about God's provisions and their lives they're not trusting God but Timothy his anxiety his concern for the Philippian church is, is a genuine concern for their well-being just like next week when we look at Paul talking about his anxiety over the well-being of Epaphroditus and, and the church in Philippi. It's a sincere concern for others. And you see, that's where we ought to be as followers of Christ. We, we have to have that sincere concern for others, that genuine concern for others. We have to love our neighbor as ourselves, right? And that's what it is. That's what's driving Timothy. He has a genuine concern, a genuine love for this people. And he's not looking out for himself. He's not concerned about himself. But, but he wants to see this church built up in the faith, growing in the faith, and exalting Christ and their community. He has a genuine concern for others. So, here, the, the five godly characteristics worthy of emulation and exertion, biblically grounded and genuine concern for others. Are you genuine concern, genuinely concerned for your brothers and sisters sitting on your left and your right? Are you genuinely concerned? Are you anxious to see them grow up in the Lord and to, to become mature followers of Jesus Christ? Living for Jesus day in and day out. Is that what you are worried about and anxious about? That your brothers and sisters in Christ would grow up concerned so much about it that you give of yourself to see them grow up in the Lord. Using your gifts to minister to them to grow up in the Lord. We must be biblically grounded. We must have genuine concern for others. And third, Christ-centered ambition. Christ-centered ambition. Look at verse 21 there. For they all seek their own interest, not those of Jesus Christ. For they all seek their own interest, not those of Jesus Christ. Now, interesting there. If you're watching that, for they all 
Paul doesn't say some. He says all. Who's, who's the all there? You ever think about that? Who's the all? Is he talking just about these guys that we, we read about in chapter 1 who, who preached the gospel out of self-ambition? Is that the all? I don't think so. I don't think so. I think with all of the people that are surrounded, surrounding Paul, Paul is saying, all of them, all of them are interested about themselves. But Timothy alone is interested about, the, the, about Jesus Christ. You see, it's, it's difficult, and, and it takes a while to get there when you get this, this Get to a single-minded devotion. And that's what Timothy had. Timothy has a single-minded devotion to Christ. And it's difficult to get there. You don't just become a new convert and suddenly you're there. And there's all kinds of people around Paul, followers of Jesus, who Paul says they don't have just the Lord Jesus, his interest at mind, but they have their own interests in mind. See, honestly, that, that's a struggle that uh, we pastors have to deal with. Because you can always get caught in that race where you're looking for that next church, that bigger church, that bigger church, and are trying to, let's grow it big, and let's do whatever we can to get as many people in the seats as we can. Let's make it as big as we can. So we downplay the Scriptures, and we, we rock out on the music, or, or whatever we have to do to, to make the people come in the doors. Who cares if they're saved or not? But we got a big church now. It can happen. Or if I can just get my name up there, or if I can preach at this event or that event, or if I can be on TV, or whatever the case may be. You see, that is not single-minded devotion. That is striving for your own self-interest and your own self-promotion. Pride can take over. You begin to motiva be motivated by your own self-interest and not those of Christ. So Paul is saying that there's a lot of people around him, they're still at that stage where they're still looking for their own self-interest and they're, they're just really not genuinely concerned. They're not genuinely interested in the things of Christ. And so he sends Timothy. But you know, it's not just a plague that plagues preachers either. It's it's something that all of us have, isn't it? We're all plagued with pride. We all want to build ourselves up. We all want to make ourselves look good before everybody else. So you have a lot of church people that put on their Sunday best and they, they put on their big smile and, and they do all the right things on Sunday morning. But then, you know, when they're out at so-and-so's house, You wouldn't know them. Or when they're home alone on the internet, you wouldn't really know them. Because really, they don't have the interest of Christ at heart, but their own self-interest, trying to, to put out that appearance 
to get pats on the back and all of these other things. We need to strive for that single-minded devotion so that we have that Christ-centered ambition so that our great goal in life, just as Timothy's great goal in life, was Christ-exalting, not self-exalting. So that everything in our lives, everything, everything, I get up to breathe in the morning, it's for the glory of Jesus Christ. Everything is for His glory to take attention away from me, off of me, and put it upon Him. Who cares what you think about me? Look to Jesus. Worship Jesus. Glorify Jesus. He is worthy of exaltation. He alone is worthy of our praise. Who cares? 50 years from now, 100 years from now, anybody remembers the name of Richard Gamble? But pray be to God, people know the name of Jesus Christ. We must be Christ centered in our ambition. So genu- uh, biblically grounded, genuine concern for others, Christ-centered ambition. And number four, spiritual maturity. Spiritual maturity. Now this is something that Paul tells us in another place in 1 Timothy chapter uh, 3, verse 6. Paul says this of, of elders, of, of preachers, um, he must not be a recent convert. Or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into condemnation of the devil. Must not be a genuine convert. He must be spiritually mature. I think Paul is putting forward Timothy as one who is spiritually mature. Verse 22 there in our passage. But you know Timothy's proven worth. His proven worth. How as a son with a father he has served with me in the gospel. Timothy is not a new convert. He's, he's walked through the fire and survived. He, he has been molded and shaped by persecution right along with Paul. Think about Timothy's upbringing. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, Paul talking to Timothy says, I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois, and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. So here again, we see Timothy, he was raised up. His mother was a, he had a Jewish mother. His mother and grandmother were, were Jews, and they were sound in Scripture, and they, they began Timothy off as a little, wee little boy, right? Coming up in the Scripture, teaching him uh, the Scriptures, raising him up, raising him up making him ready for salvation. And then again in in, uh, chapter 3, verse 14, Paul says there, But as, as for you, Timothy, 
Continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Here, Timothy had grown up hearing the Word of God preached to him day in and day out, taught to him day in and day out by his grandmother and his mother. He had hidden the Scripture in his heart and they had made him ready for salvation so that when Timothy came to to or excuse me when Paul came to Timothy's hometown and preached the gospel said you know the Messiah that you have been looking for the one who would save God's people here here he is he's Jesus Christ the very son of God And he came and he did the the very thing, Timothy, that you could never do. He lived a perfect life and he died on the cross paying the penalty for your sins. But if you believe in him, you can have everlasting life. And Timothy, ripe for the picking, believed. God moved his heart and he trusted in Christ and he followed Jesus Christ. And he continued to follow Jesus Christ. You go over to Acts chapter uh, 16. You don't have to go there. I'll just read it to you. Acts chapter 16 verses 1 through 3 tells us of where Paul and Timothy kind of began to work together. This is Paul's second missionary journey. And the way he began his second missionary journey is that he went through some of the very towns that he had gone through and preached on his first missionary journey. So now he's going back through and he comes up to Timothy. He finds Timothy. Now Paul came also to Derbe and to Lystra. A disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. He was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany accompany him. And so there we see where Paul picks up Timothy. He sees this young man. He is a, he's already a follower of Jesus Christ. The church is there in these two towns. They're talking about Timothy. Here's a, a, a great young man full of the Spirit, ready to do the work of God. And Paul says, I want this guy. And so Paul takes him under his wing and carries him with him. And so now at this point, he's, Timothy is already, he finished out that first, second missionary journey with, with Paul. Then he came and did the th- third uh, missionary journey with Paul. And now he is with Paul as Paul is in prison in Rome. And so he, he went all the way from Paul's imprisonment in Jerusalem to take the journey across the sea and be shipwrecked with Paul and then make it on into Rome. And he is there with Paul in Rome. He has been with Paul every step of the way. Not only that, but he's also been there with Paul when Paul was arrested in Philippi, beaten and thrown in jail. All the other times that Paul was ran out of town, that wasn't just Paul under persecution. Timothy and Silas and all the, Luke and all the other guys who were there with him, they come under that same persecution. And so Timothy has proven worth. He has, he has shown his faith. His faith is true. He hasn't retreated not one time. He has remained there a defender of the faith. He is not a new convert, but he 
is mature in his faith. His faith, he has had tested faith. Tested faith. He's gone through the fire. See, as you look to those whom you can model in your Christian walk, don't look to new converts. It's nothing against new converts, but they got to grow just like you do. Look to those who have matured in the faith, who are, are doing the work day in and day out, and, and they've been tested. They've walked through the fire and persevered in the faith, continuing to live for Christ. That's who you want to look to. That's who you want to emulate. And that's who you want to be. As you grow in your faith in Jesus Christ, you want to make it to that point where where you can say that you've been tested and been found faithful. So, five godly characteristics worthy of emulation and exertion. Biblically grounded, genuine concern for others, Christ-centered ambition, spiritual maturity. And five, Sacrificial service. Sacrificial service. All of these are kind of intertwined, aren't they? Can't hardly have one without the other. Sacrificial service. Look again at the, our passage. The last couple of verses there. Excuse me, first, uh, verse 22. But you know Timothy's proven worth. How as a son with a father, he has served with me in the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. Notice what he says there in verse 22. As a son with a father, he has served with me. He has served with me. The word there for served, it, it, it has its, the root behind it is the same word, the same noun word. This is a verb. But the, the noun, the root of the noun is the word for slave. Doulos. Maybe you've heard that other preachers quote that before. Doulos. It's, it's a word for slave, a bondservant. And, and so kind of what he's saying, as a son with a father, he has slaved with me. We can't say slave because we don't say that in English, but, but he slaved with me in the gospel. Timothy is a, a slave of Christ. He has surrendered his life completely and totally to Christ where he is he's a slave to Christ. I give up all my ambition. I give all, 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 all my will for my life. I give it all to Christ. And he has come under Christ. He is a slave to Christ. He wants to follow Christ. He wants to do the work of Christ. That's all he's looking for. He is a slave of Christ. If you want to see someone to emulate, find someone who is a slave to Christ. Who does everything for Christ. Who serves the Gospel with their lives. And it doesn't, let me just say this, it doesn't have to be someone who is in the ministry. There's a lot of farmers and, and politicians even. Military men and women. College professors. Bankers. Lawyers who are slaves of Christ. Who give, have given their lives to Christ and following Christ. 
Look for those to emulate, to be mentors in your life. He is a slave to Christ, and he is reliable and willing. Not only has he served Paul, but Paul says, I hope therefore to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. Paul trusts this guy. He knows that Timothy is not going to just kind of lollygag around and, and slowly get there. I mean, this is a long, drawn-out journey to, from Rome to Philippi. That's, that's a few weeks in that day. I mean, yeah, sure, today we could get there in a, a day's time, but not then. Timothy walked this distance, most likely. And Paul says, I'm going to send this guy because he's reliable. I can trust him. And he's going to get there. Look for those who are reliable and willing to follow Christ and do whatever Christ wants them to do. Sacrificial servants. Longing to serve the Gospel. Again, how is your life? Are you a slave to Christ? Have you given your life over to Christ? Are you sacrificially serving Him with your time, your money, your efforts? Or does other things have your time, your money, and your efforts? Are you sacrificially serving Christ in whatever capacity He's called you to serve Him? Five characteristics worthy of emulation and exertion, biblically grounded, genuine concern for others, Christ centered ambition, spiritual maturity, sacrificial service. These are worthy of emulation and exertion. These are worthy for us to look to those who, who exhibit these characteristics and say, I want to be like them. I want to be like them. As they are striving to be like Christ, I want to be like them. Follow them. Be mentored by them. And it's worthy of our exertions to strive for that, to want to be that. For those younger Christians, a godly character is worthy of our emulation and our exertion. Young Christians, who are you emulating? Who are you looking to as your mentor in life? Is it some secular musician or, or, music, uh, musician or, or TV star or movie star or whatever? There's nothing wrong if they have godly characteristics. Are they exemplifying these godly characteristics in their life? If they don't exemplify these godly characteristics in their life, they are not worthy of your admiration and your emulation. They're not worth it. Don't waste your time on people who are self-centered, seeking worldly pleasures and worldly desires. Look to those who have the interest of Christ in mind and follow them. 
whoever it may be. And to those older saints, those who are mature in the faith, what is the focus of your exertions? What are you working toward in your life? Are you striving to be a model for those who come up under you? So that when they look across the aisle and they see you worshiping here in this place or serving in Sunday school or out at the block party that we're having next week serving, are you living in such a way that all these younger Christians who are coming up, they can look to you and say, I want to be like that guy or that lady. Are you exhibiting these godly characteristics in your life? Are you working toward that? It's always a work. It's always a work. Always a struggle in this life. But we've got to keep pushing and pressing and exerting ourselves to be like Christ. How is your walk with Him? Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray today that many in this congregation here today would look at these godly characteristics, myself included, Lord, that we would look at these godly characteristics and begin to, to examine our own lives, Lord. Are we exhibiting these characteristics in our own lives? And if not, Lord, give us the strength to change so that we can be alive worth emulating so that we can be an example for all of those who will come behind us seeking your interest before our own being grounded in your word sacrificially loving others the purpose of the Gospel. No, Lord. Let us look to Timothy's example. Let us look to Paul's example. Let us see that we can. And let us pursue a life modeled after Christ. This I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Perhaps you're